You know, sometimes in life we run across people who have such skill and who have practiced in their lives over and over that their skill can even be a little bit intimidating and we feel like, well, maybe we don't know exactly what's going on. And to illustrate that, I want us to watch a video about the Turkish ice cream man, if you've ever seen that. There you go. You can always find someone who knows more than you, right? And regardless of what we know how to do, there's always someone who's a little better than us. And sometimes in life, we compare ourselves in terms of skill, in terms of knowledge, and that can even happen in our spirituality, right? We can always find someone who it looks like they know God way better than we do. They know more about the Bible. They know more spiritual stuff than we do. And, and maybe you've been in the presence of someone that you just recognized knew God in a way that you would love to know God, and yet you just don't even know how to get there. I've experienced that, especially through Christian writers. Henri Nouwen, one of the great spiritual writers of our time. Uh, just whenever I read him, I think, wow, I wish I could write like that. I wish I understood God in the same way. One of my favorite writers has the oddest name in the world. Her name was, she's passed, was Phyllis Tickle. Okay, very strange, all right. Um, but when I read her writings, I think, man, I wish I could take people to that kind of spiritual depth. But I don't know the way. And maybe you feel a little bit like that. Maybe you're around people and you feel, because of how far they are, you feel a little spiritually inadequate. You feel like you don't know how to get where they are. And we can even feel some guilt because of that. Like, I should have done more. I should have been able to find God in a clearer way than I have. There are things that I must not have gotten that would have taken me where this person is. And it often happens because we compare, right? It's not just because we don't get where we should be with God, but that we look at somebody else and think, I wish I was more like them. I wish I had done what they've done, and I just don't feel right about it. And then we look in our own lives and we say, well, I've tried some stuff, but it just doesn't feel like it's gotten me where I've wanted it to, to go. And, and so we've prayed and we've spent time talking to God and maybe we've studied the Bible and we've gained some knowledge. But what we've come to realize that knowledge about God is not knowing God. That you can know all kinds of facts about the Bible. You can win Bible trivia contests and still not know God. So what do we need to do? What do we do about this sense of spiritual inadequacy? 
where we want to know more about this God who created us. We want to know Him deeper. We want to know Him maybe in ways that other people do, but we don't know how to get there. Today I'd like us to talk about that. We continue today in the Beyond series, and just as a little note, this was supposed to be the last of the Beyond series because Zach, our youth minister, was supposed to be preaching today, and he's a little sick. So, you got me, all right? which uh, these lessons are pretty well in, in not a specific order, so it'll work out. But you might notice this week that as we've been going through the daily devotions, that they've matched the theme from the Sunday for that week. Well, they won't this week because Zach wrote them for his message, and I wrote these for uh, next week's for this message today. So if you want to try to figure all that out, you can. Or you know what? You can just read along and not worry about it. That'd be okay, too. So, so we're just calling a little bit of an audible today. Today I want us to think as we, as we think through this next lesson in the Beyond series and how God takes us beyond so many of the things that we think limit us, about how God takes us to deeper faith. And to get at that, I'd like us to turn to a story that we find in the Gospel of Luke. It's in Luke chapter 17. It's an interesting story, one that in some ways Jesus' words surprise us. Now that happens a lot of times. Jesus says things that are unexpected, things that the people around him at the time did not expect him to say. And I think that's true for me as I read this story. Jesus is teaching on forgiveness in Luke chapter 17. It's almost an honors course in forgiveness. It's like graduate level kind of forgiveness because this is what Jesus says in verse 3. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Okay, we read that far and go, all right, that makes sense, right? Somebody sins against me, they do something. I'm talking about something that, that really hurts, okay? We go to them, say, man, this hurt. We need to heal this. We need to figure this out. This can't happen again, all right? Because it really did wound me. And they say, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. It shouldn't happen. It shouldn't have happened in the past, and I'm going to do my best to make sure it doesn't happen in the future. What's our response? Forgiveness. Okay? They repented. We forgive them. But then Jesus goes on. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and comes back to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, I think, I don't know if I'm up to that. You know, if somebody cuts me off in traffic once, that's bad enough. But if they do it twice, I'm done. But Jesus says if they sin seven times, not just seven times in a lifetime, not just seven times in a year, seven times in one day. And they keep coming back saying, I'm sorry, it shouldn't have happened. It won't happen again. Our responsibility is to forgive them. I'm not excited about that. I don't want anybody to sin against me seven times in one day. And I don't want to have to forgive them seven times for the same doggone thing seven times in one day. That seems extreme. I'm pretty sure Jesus meant for it to seem a little extreme. Now, I think the disciples, when they heard Jesus say this, are a little bit like us. 
Because they're thinking, Jesus, I don't know if I'm up to that kind of task. I don't know if I'm capable of doing that, Jesus. And so we have this. Now, what's interesting is a lot of times, at least in this Bible, there's a break between verse 4 and verse 5. Remember all those little breaks and those little subtitles and all that help us out. Verse numbers, chapter numbers, again, it helps us out. But none of that was in Luke's original gospel. So sometimes these breaks make it appear that, you know, maybe three weeks has passed. Well, we don't know that. It seems to me that the disciples follow up what Jesus has just said with this. Verse 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. I think they did what was pretty natural, right? If Jesus says, okay, if you want to be my follower, here's something extreme I'm asking you to do. My response, and my guess is your response, is to say, Jesus, if I'm going to do that, I need more faith. I need a deeper relationship with you. I need to know you better. I need to know more about you. I need to to be at a different spiritual level than I am today if I'm going to carry that out. If I'm going to forgive someone seven times in the same day, I need to be a person of deeper faith. That's what the apostles are saying. Listen, we're not ready for this. Jesus, give us more faith. And here's where I get a little bit surprised. Because that seems like a perfectly reasonable request, doesn't it? It seems like something that Jesus would say, Okay, you got more faith. It seems like something Jesus would want to sort of respond in a positive way to affirm the request. Okay, we want more faith. And Jesus would say, let me give you more faith. But he doesn't. Jesus says this. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, the Lord said, You can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, Jesus doesn't say, hey, let me give you faith the size of a peach pit, right? Jesus doesn't say, hey, let me give you faith the size of a calf. Let me give you faith the size of a boulder. Jesus didn't say he was going to give them anything. He says, if you've got faith the size of a mustard seed, you can do powerful stuff. Why did Jesus say that? Why didn't he just give them more faith so they could fulfill the command that he's just issued about forgiving people seven times in one day? Because apparently they already had within them what they needed. Jesus says, faith the size of a mustard seed. Now I've got a a picture that sort of illustrates that a little bit. That's the size we're talking about. It's small. Jesus says, if you've got minuscule faith, if you've got any faith at all, is the message. If you've got 
any faith in me at all, then you ought to be able to say to a tree, be uprooted, jerked out of the ground, thrown into the sea, and grow there. That's pretty incredible. That's what Jesus says. I think part of us, in response, wants to say, Jesus, it doesn't always feel that way. Yeah, I've got faith the size of a mustard seed. Maybe I got even a little more faith than that. But there are times when it feels like I don't have enough faith, and here you are, Jesus, telling me that even the faith I've got is so powerful, and we're not sure that's true. We're not sure it is so powerful. But Jesus says it is. And I think the reason is because it's not about me. It's really not about the size of my faith, is it? It's about where I put my faith. It's about the fact that I put my faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Because, you know, I could put faith in lots of things. They could put faith in lots of things. They could put their faith in the Roman emperor. Lots of people did. I mean, the most powerful person who had ever lived was on the throne in Rome. People treated him like a god. They considered him a god. Let's worship him. Nothing was more powerful. The Roman pantheon could have worshipped any of those gods. Jesus is saying what matters is not the size of your faith, but who you're putting your faith in. Who are you trusting? In other words, what matters is who you trust. What matters is where you put your faith. What matters is who you trust. The, the power in our faith is found in the object of our faith. The Roman gods, they, you know, these, these people that Jesus is talking to, they could have switched their faith, put their faith in the Roman gods, prayed to the Roman gods, made sacrifices to the Roman gods. Every culture had their set of gods, and these people could have worshipped those gods, and it would have been nothing. They could have had huge faith in Zeus, and it wouldn't have mattered, would it? They could have had huge faith in the Roman emperor. And eventually, even that power crumbled. The Roman gods didn't even exist. The Roman emperor, powerful though he was at this moment, like all political power, finally faded away. And when we as Christians begin to put our faith in the stuff that surrounds us, the sources of power in this world, when we begin to worship things like money and sex and power of our own in this world, what we eventually find out is they are empty. And we can pursue them and, and we can worship them and we can give those things all that we've got and in the end we find that it is worthless. We can have big faith in things that don't matter. And in the end, it does us no good. But even tiny faith 
in a powerful God. A God powerful enough to bring everything around us into existence. A God loving enough to come and live among us and to die for us. If we put our faith in that kind of God, what we find is that what matters is who you trust. And we might say, I got a couple of objections here. Look back in the New Testament, and never do we find one of Jesus' apostles looking at a mulberry tree and saying, Mulberry tree, be uprooted and be thrown into the sea. So did they not even have mustard seed-sized faith? What's Jesus talking about? Well, you know, what I see in the New Testament is that the miracles that people performed, including Jesus, were never all about working wonders. What they were about was pointing to God. Bringing healing to people and showing God's power over the things that destroy life. Always pointing to the God who brought that power into existence. Never just impressing people that they could do magic tricks. Jesus is using a little exaggeration here. And maybe we might say, well, what about in our day? You talk about power, you talk about faith the size of a mustard seed. Well, none of us seem to be able to do anything miraculous now. Yeah, God works in all kinds of ways, doesn't He? And sometimes we take our little mustard seed-sized faith and we go to this God who loves us. And we might want to say to this God, I don't know if my faith is big enough to do anything. I don't know if my faith is big enough to make any difference in the life of someone who's sick or hurting. And I don't know if my faith is big enough to help me live the life you've called me to live. But God, I'm putting what, what faith I have in you. And when we do that, God is at work because He is a powerful, loving God who changes things, who engages us in this world, who is active and participates in the life that we live. And so we are called to take our faith Whatever size it is, that's what Jesus is saying. You may have little faith that's just beginning to grow. Or you may have big faith that because of the experiences you have and because of a lifetime spent learning who God is and, and engaging Him in prayer has grown and grown and grown. That's awesome. But I think part of what Jesus is saying is some of that stuff's not up to us. It's not even the issue. The issue is taking whatever we've got and putting all of that into Jesus Christ. Choosing Him above everything else. And making this decision, I'm not going to put my faith in all the stuff that the world tells me is powerful. I'm going to put my faith in Jesus 
I'm going to put my mustard seed size faith in Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't try to grow our faith. That doesn't mean we shouldn't study Scripture to learn who God is and engage this God. It doesn't mean that prayer is not part of the process. All those things are. We have a responsibility in that area too. But when it comes to these moments, when we read something in this book and it feels like, man, that is tough. And, and I don't know if I've got the strength to live that life. Jesus is saying to you, if you've got any faith at all, and you put that in God, you've got enough. Let's pray together. God, sometimes we really feel inadequate about our faith. We look at people who know more, do more, write more, pray more, and we just think we're not enough. But God, today, as we hear what Jesus said to us, we bring our faith. Maybe some of it's small. Maybe some of us just starting out. And we ask that you would use it. Because we're putting our faith in what is powerful and real. Because we've seen you at work. And God, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.